Macar Guru, Season 11, Episode 9. Well, hello again, folks, and welcome to this edition of My Car Guru. Today, we are going to be focusing on the basics. We're going back to basics and talking about things that can get you and your car in trouble. Notice I, I mentioned you and your car. You probably own your car, or well, unless you borrowed it, you know, and maybe your parents are letting you drive it. And then, do you really care? You should, because you can hurt the car if you don't know the warning signs. And I'm going to give you some warning signs. I'm going to talk about some basic fundamentals that everybody needs to know. And you don't really have to be on guard for these all the time. It, it's not like you don't have enough to be stressed about. I don't want to give you more. But I'm just going to tell you just what may seem like common sense to many, but doesn't seem to be very common. Somebody once told me that. They said, the only thing common about common sense is that it's not very common. That may be true. I have witnessed that myself in myself at times. But anyway, I do happen to know a lot about this stuff. I didn't, though. When I was 15, my dad wanted me to get some experience in the service department first. He, you know, obviously didn't want me out there selling cars because I didn't, didn't know anything. I had bell-bottom jeans and big hair. So, you know, it wasn't really what the local Greene County farmer guy or gal would, would really appreciate back in the I guess the early 70s. But so he wanted me to get some experience. My first job was cleaning out the drainage ditch in the middle of the shop. That was not pleasant. But I wasn't embarrassed. I didn't know any better. He said, I need you to clean this out. And I said, okay, what's in it? And he said, well, just a lot of gunk. So I pulled the the um, racks off of the, the drain, or the grate, I should say, off of the drain, <clears throat> and uh, started shoveling. I had a wheelbarrow and a flat-bladed shovel. I got it nice and clean. And then I happened to be glancing over at the techs, and they chewed a lot of tobacco, and they spit a lot. And then all of a sudden I realized, yuck, I'm cleaning up their spit, in addition to a lot of other things that fell off of people's cars. So anyways, I mean, it's one of those dirty jobs, right? But I learned real early that uh, I was not a privileged dealer's son. He was going to prove that point. Uh, I, I was in charge of cleaning the locker room, the bathrooms. Um, I was responsible for going to buy new toilet paper and hand towels and making sure that both were stocked up. Um, I really didn't get any. I didn't learn anything about the car business there. I mean, as far as doing those jobs is concerned, but I did learn that it is kind of important to start at the bottom so that you can relate to people who happen to be at the bottom. Don't you think that's important? I've always related to those people because uh, I know that without them, we don't have a clean place to operate in. We don't have a clean shop. We don't have the, uh, the wonderful facility that we like to brag about and show off to our customers. So we got to be grateful and show those people respect and pay them, you know, a good wage. And, and uh, you know, there's, it's funny, I have a lot more turnover with the higher wage people than I do with the lower wage people. And they're all important. And But anyway, I do want to get into this basic stuff. I did start in a service department. I didn't really know anything about cars. And um, as I came up through working in service and becoming a service advisor, uh, I would be able to counsel people. But it took a while because I didn't even under, understand how an engine worked. You know, I'd, I'd never really been under a car. Um, and boy, I got under them, though, uh, at that point. 
and I learned quickly. You know, it's funny how people laugh at you when they think you don't know anything, and the text did. And uh, but they grew to appreciate my honesty and my enthusiasm, you know, to do the job right, and the fact that I was willing to clean out that ditch in the middle of the service department with their spit in it. I know it's gross, but uh, let's talk about some of the basics that that I learned early on, and things that you need to learn as well if you don't know anything about cars. You know, one of the biggest mistakes that people make is they ignore what their car is trying to tell them, and I'll get into that here in just a minute. Okay, I'm back. Yeah, your car has a, a language that it speaks. Uh, it's a language of sounds, um, smells, yes, and vibrations that it sends when it's not happy, when things aren't going right. Unfortunately, we are so distracted in our cars with either loud music or listening to the news or other life distractions that we often ignore those things. Sometimes we have pictures of our grandchildren on the instrument uh cluster, I guess you'd call it. And, um, you know, we can't see the the lights and the gauges that we're supposed to be able to see. Why are you supposed to be able to see them? Because if they come on, it means something is wrong with your car. If there's a picture of your uh, cheerleader uh, granddaughter on the dash, and then you can't see it. So it's important to take all those pictures off there and just let the car tell you what it needs to tell you. So let's start talking about some of these things. Ignoring new sounds. You know, if you're driving down the road and you hear this roaring noise or something clicking or ticking when you first start, a, start up your car in the morning, those aren't normal sounds. You know, sometimes you will mistake a, a, a tire. You know, sometimes over, over time, tires will develop a wear pattern and they get noisier and noisier over time. Have you noticed that? Well, and one of the reasons for that is is because your maybe have your tires have been underinflated, or your you know they're out of balance possibly, or they could be out of alignment. But they develop these unusual wear patterns, and when that starts slapping on the road, it makes a different noise. That's not something that's going to strand you on the side of the road. But if you have a wheel bearing going out, then that could. If you have a problem in your rear differential, that's making that roaring or whining noise. That could strand you over time and cost you a whole bunch of money. So we don't want to ignore those. You know, you may hear a banging noise all of a sudden. Um, obviously, you're probably going to say, hey, honey, you need to car take the car into the shop. Why? Well, because it's making a banging noise. Uh, when did it start doing that? Yesterday. What did you run over? No, sometimes those uh, discussions don't go the right way. But you may have run over something. I've run over stuff, and it got stuck up in, underneath the car. I've run over some sticks and, and different things. But if, those can do damage if you leave them there. So if you, if you hear a weird noise, get out of your car. Pull over, obviously. Get out of your car and look underneath it. If it's a banging noise, you may have run over a stick or a – hopefully it's not an animal, but you may have a – you know, I've seen Frisbees stuck inside cars making noises. There's all kinds of weird things that can do that. But you don't want to leave it there because – it can cause future problems. You know, if you hear a hissing noise, you may hear it in your in your dash, um, and that could be a problem. That could be, you know, your uh, heater core could be going bad, or you could have a, a vacuum leak that basically opens up the the doors, opens and closes the doors, and that you know direct where the air comes out of the vents, whether it goes out of the 
comes up through the defroster or comes out the front vents or goes down uh, to your feet when it's really cold. So uh, hissing noises are things that need to be taken care of. You know, if you hear squealing noise, like when you apply your brakes, it could be that you just have a lot of dirt and dust on your brake pad, or it could mean that your brake pads are worn out. And if your brake pads are worn out, it's cutting grooves into your rotors. Now, brake rotors are not cheap. I mean, you can resurface them fairly cheaply. I mean, they pull off the, the brake caliper, they pull the rotor off, they put it on a lathe, and they cut a little metal off of it until it's nice and smooth, put it back on your car. You know, that could cost 10 to $20 per wheel. But if you have to replace the rotor, it could cost $150 to $300, depending on the car. So that's not, that's not something you want to put off. Also, ignoring smells. Yeah, you got to use your nose. You know what coolant smells like? Well, you shouldn't smell it if you're outside of your car. If you walk around, you park, you've been driving, it's hot, and or the engine's hot, and you've parked into a parking place, and you, you kind of catch this smell of something sweet. That's probably antifreeze that's leaking out of your car or the car you just parked beside. You need to make sure that it's not your car. I don't know what color the coolant is in your car. Do you know that different manufacturers of automobiles, they think they have to have their own color. Some of them are pink, some of them are orange, some are green. I wish they just left it all green because that's what it all was. But anyway, different types of coolant. You know, they have this long-lasting coolant now. Well, I don't know how long-lasting it is. I know that it looks horrible after it's been inside in the car, in the engine, for about uh, 50,000 miles. So I'm going to change that stuff out at 50,000 miles. But you shouldn't smell that. You shouldn't. Sm you know what burning oil smells like? Well, it's not pleasant. Um, and if you smell just kind of a burning, uh, I don't know how to describe it. It's burning oil. And if you smell that underneath your hood, it is, uh, you've got a, probably a valve cover gasket leaking. But those things you need to address. Where's it coming from? You know, if it's an older car, if it's, you know, 8, 10, 12 years old, it's going to leak. Somewhere it's going to leak. As long as it's not pouring out. If you're noticing a lot of oil usage, could be that you're burning it out your tailpipe, you know, because you have an internal engine problem. But it could be that, that you have a, a faster leak, maybe at a, the rear main seal, which is the seal at the very back of the engine. And uh, when it starts leaking, that has to be repaired or you will go through a lot of oil. And you could eventually, you know, the, the worst thing, uh, the worst case scenario is that the car gets low on oil and you're traveling and the engine locks up. That's expensive. So smelling is important. That nose. If you smell a musty smell in your car, what is that smell? It's so musty. Now, if it could be, you know, some old rags or something in your car, but many times I've seen that. And it, the problem is our nose gets used to smells. You know, I, I was friends with a guy whose mother had a bunch of dogs, and when I'd go into his house, the first thing I smelled was pee. And, uh, of course, I didn't want to say anything about it, but, you know, they're used to it. They don't smell it anymore. I guess our brain just kind of shuts that off. Well, if you smell a musty smell or somebody said, boy, something smells musty in your car, you probably have a water leak. And it's more than likely underneath your carpet. There's insulation underneath the carpet of your car. And if you want to get rid of that smell, 
sometimes you have to pull the seats out, and that sounds like a big deal. It's not that big of a deal to somebody who knows what they're doing. Pull the seats out, pull the console out, pull the carpet carpet out, and get and replace that insulation that's underneath there. It's very possible there's standing water in there if you've had a really bad leak, like a sunroof leak, you know, like a bad, really bad windshield leak. Something like that can really create uh, that type of problem. That water is constantly coming in, so you have to find the leak. That's not an inexpensive thing to do. Uh, if somebody is is generally good with tools and, and mechanics, then they can pull the interior out of a car in a pretty short order and do that in your driveway. But uh, they better know what they're doing. When they start unplugging uh, electrical circuits and things like that or taking a console out, that could be a little bit more elaborate. So think about that. Okay, what else? Ignoring warning lights. Well, we talked about that. People have a check engine light come on. Oh, Lord, what's that? You know, what do you do about a check engine light? Well, if you're driving a Honda, you need to go to the Honda dealership and get them to diagnose it. You know, a lot of people with older cars, they just go to Advance Auto Parts or O'Reilly or something, and they'll come out and they'll scan it. They'll hook it up to the scanner and see what the codes are. What are you going to do then? Well, you still have to take it someplace and get it fixed. They may try to sell you a part, but if you buy the part and install it, it's very possible the check engine light will re- remain on because there are sometimes they, the first thing that it says to replace is not the problem. It's something behind that, and um, that's where more extensive testing needs to be done. So if you're driving a Hyundai or a Buick or whatever, go back to the GM dealer if you're driving a Buick and get a, a, a diagnostic done. What's that going to cost? About $100. You know, if they charge any more than that for a full diagnostic, they're probably uh, charging a little bit too much. So, you know, we do that free for a lot of our customers. You know, they should do it free if they end up doing subsequent repairs. They should uh, give you credit. The problem is a lot of people will get their uh, check engine light scanned, and the dealership will tell them what's wrong with their vehicle, and then they'll go someplace else and get it fixed because they, they think they can get it fixed cheaper. I want mine fixed by the people who've been trained the best to do that. And that's why I'm going to stick with the dealer, regardless of brand. So don't ignore those warning lights, especially brake lights, coolant lights, oil lights, those types of things. They're serious. They're there for a reason. You can't see them if you have pictures on the dash. Okay, another um, mistake that, that can get you in trouble is just going too long between oil changes. Uh, you know, you, if you want to wait until the light comes on and, and it says that change oil, change engine oil, that's not a an emergency. But if you lose oil pressure or something like that, you need to pull over. You do not drive a car when you know you have an overheating situation, or you have. Uh, I know you want to get home, and you, you know it's it's only another two miles. In that two miles, you could destroy your engine if you just pull over. When you have the problem, then you probably won't do any more damage. If you see a, a light come on, it's giving you a little bit of a warning, you know, that you need to take drastic action. Any type of temperature situation or oil situation, that's when you need to pull over. You got it? Okay, this time of year, you know, if you are getting your oil changed, make sure they test your cold cranking amps on your battery. That'll get you stranded on a really, really cold morning. Or you go to a ball game and you come out and it's been sitting out there in the, in the cold, really cold weather and all of a sudden you crank it and it won't start. That happens a lot because the, the battery just loses its its ability to uh, to start the car. 
uh, cold cranking amps. You know, your car was built, had a battery put in it, new from the factory, that had a certain number of cold cranking amps. And if you buy a new battery, you need to match that or go, you know, better. You know, more cold cranking amps are always good. It's kind of like chocolate on ice cream. Ice cream's better with Hershey's chocolate on it. Okay, another one that I firmly believe in is going to a, when I get my car serviced, I want to get it serviced at some place that does a complete inspection when they do that. When I say serviced, I'm talking about an oil change and a tire rotation. A lot of people say, well, I'm just going to get my oil change, tire rotation. I don't care what else they, everything else is fine. Maybe not. Uh, we call it a multi-point inspection. It doesn't cost any more. Most new car dealerships selling the brand that you are driving, it doesn't cost any more to get your oil changed there than it does someplace else. You, sometimes you just have to make an appointment. You know, if you know that it's about you're about due for an oil change or you're getting ready to go on vacation, schedule it with the dealership. Don't go to the fast food place. I, I understand if that's a last-minute thing or you maybe your uncle owns one. But I just firmly believe that, that the people that need to be servicing your car are the dealer. Now, can dealers screw up? Yes. They did on my brother's Corvette. He has a 2016 Corvette. Took it into a Chevrolet dealership in Knoxville. Uh, they're supposed to know about how to service Corvette, aren't they? Well, they were changing his oil, and they were only putting half the correct amount of oil in it. They drained out, out of the oil pan, but they this thing has a dry sump system, and that holds another five or six quarts that they weren't draining out. So every time he got an oil change, he had half of the oil was old in that, that vehicle. So he wasn't driving in a lot, and I was able to get them to put in, give him an additional 36 months, 36,000-mile extended warranty on his engine because they screwed up. And... Um, you know, anytime somebody messes with your car like that and makes a big mistake, you need to ask for something. If you don't know what to ask for, call me, 423-552-2020. I'll tell you what to ask for. And, um, you know, don't blow up. Again, this is my philosophy on dealing, on complaining. If you're nice, people will want to help you. If you're really angry and shout and make a scene and stuff, people don't want to help you. They just don't. You Maybe you learned that from somebody, that, that screaming at somebody and embarrassing them is the best way to get somebody to do what you want them to do. Did it work with you when you were a child? How would you respond to somebody yelling in your face? There you go. I think you're starting to get it. Okay, I'm going to take my last break. Be back here in just a minute. Okay, just a few minutes. I do want to talk about a few things about get, how to not get in trouble when you're buying a car. I guess my number one thing is mentioning the payment desires to a salesperson. That I've talked about that a lot. Just don't tell them uh, what you're wanting as far as a monthly payment because that opens up the door to all kinds of shenanigans. Um, yeah, what would you like your monthly payment to be? Oh, I don't want to pay any more than $4.50 a month. Well, that's all they're going to talk about from now on is that monthly payment, and you will have no clue what you're paying for the car unless you read the paperwork, which 80% of the people do not do. Oh, they got my payment to just four eighty a month. I'm happy with that. What'd you pay for the car? Well, I don't know. How many months did you finance? I think 60. Then you look at the contract, and it was 84. That's how they got your payment down where you wanted it. You see why that's a problem? Also, mentioning what you want for your trade-in. Salesman says, well, how much you want for your trade? Uh, sir, I'm, 
that's your job uh, to tell me what my trade ins worth. I listen to any offers you want to make, but you know what I want for it is going to stay right up here in my head. You might not say it that way. It's kind of a smart alecky way to say it, but just don't tell them. Say, "Well, I'd just like to hear what your proposal is." See, that was nicer. Don't tell them what you want for your trade. Because they can jack up the sale price on the one you're trying to buy. You know, even if it's a new one, they can jack it up. They can put an addendum on it. But probably what they'll do is just if they, you know, they had a car advertised for, they knew you weren't online, didn't see the car, you just drove by and saw the car. You don't know what it was online for. They'll just price it to you higher. And then when you leave, they'll they'll go in and make sure that the uh, that the price was adjusted up just in case you do look online. Shenanigans. Okay, not knowing what your credit options are. I had a lady come in yesterday, and she had, well, it was probably some of the worst credit I've ever seen, but we were able to get her done, get her financed. And uh, she was here quite some time because just about every financial institution turned her down. And therefore, you know what she ended up having to do, don't you? Pay a real high interest rate. Because interest is a measure of risk. If, you, if you're being charged 15% interest when most people get 4% interest, it's because you have not managed your credit very well or you've had circumstances in your life that cause you to not pay bills on time and so forth. There's a lot of different things that can cause that. I'm not judging. But the ramifications of that are higher interest rates. But you need to know what your options are. You know, if you ha- if you know you're a, a 750 Beacon score and, uh, you know, you pay all your bills on time and you've had a lot of credit, then you know that you can go in and get probably the lowest rate that anybody offers. But if you're a 620 or a 580, then you, you really need to know what, what you can get. Either talk to your credit union, your banker, uh, the people who have your car currently financed, you know, find out a little bit before you go into the dealership, and then pay attention to the disclosure on the um, on the contract that you're getting ready to sign. You know, if you know that you qualify for 15%, I know that's awful, but, but many people have to pay that, and they're charging you 21%, then, you know, you need to back up and, and say, listen, I'm not paying 21% interest. No way. How come you, you're not doing Because they may have marked up that rate. They can do that. Some dealers can do that. So you just got to be careful and know what your credit is. And then finally, uh, don't buy a new car or a used car without test driving it first. I mean, this is a big mistake that people make. They don't know if they can see out of it, whether it's going to, you know, how comfortable the seats are. And go on about a, I don't know, at least a 10-mile test drive on different road surfaces and, and go to a parking lot and see if you can park it good. See if you can see the corners backing up and stuff. I know any car is going to, it's going to take you a while to get used to it. But this is a mistake that people make. I just hate to see somebody buy a car, and then three months later they're coming back trying to trade it. You know, we're back into a market now where used cars are depreciating some. And so if you buy a car and you put 2,500 miles on it and it's used and you come back and try to trade again, it's going to cost you. And that's not, a, that's not something you want to go through. So test drive the car. And if you're buying a used car and you're not buying it from a new car dealer who either certifies their used cars or does a very thorough inspection, then you need to get a third party to inspect that car before you buy it. And you're looking for body damage, previous wreck history. Well, you can find that on a Carfax. Well, not always because if somebody didn't turn it into their insurance company because they didn't want to affect their insurance rates, then they just paid for the repairs out of their pocket. 
So Carfax is not the end-all and be-all, nor is AutoCheck or any of them. So it's best to find that out. But get a full inspection, uh, mechanical and body, and make sure they know what they're talking about. Because if they don't, then what's the heck, what's the use in getting an inspection? There is none. Well, it's it's good to get back to basics every now and then. I hope this helps. Uh, if you have any youngsters that need to listen to this podcast, it'll be on Apple Podcasts or Amazon or Google. You can find it. Just search My Car Guru Podcast, and there it will be. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.